name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So glad to be back with you. I don't know if you remember this, but I'm going to pop up quarterly to do a sermon. So I'm popping up today, which is very a happy occasion for me. It also reminded me of this pop-up restaurant that I heard about in Tokyo. So follow me just a little bit with this, where there is about a 40% chance that your order will be wrong will be absolutely wrong. This is the statistics on, on the ordering there. You might order sushi and then get a burger. You might order miso soup and then get katsu chicken. But believe it or not, 99% of the customers on the exit interviews are happy with their mistaken orders. Okay, that does make me wonder about the 1%, just saying. But they come to the restaurant expecting their order to be wrong because it is called the restaurant of mistaken orders. That is the name of the restaurant. All the wait staff are people who suffer from dementia and who don't always get the food order right. They lightheartedly admit their mistakes and they receive kindness and forgiveness from their customers. But everyone gets excellent food no matter what is ordered. It's an excellent restaurant. And it is the brainchild of Shiro Oguni. Now, he's a film producer in Tokyo who was trying to make a documentary about adults with dementia. And he found the isolation of dementia just heartbreaking. And he wanted to do something about that. Now, I found this in Forbes magazine, a business magazine, and this is what it said. Instead of reacting to dementia as frightening, depressing, and dreadfully isolating, the responses are almost precisely the opposite. Diners describe the experience as happy, gregarious, and comfortable. The roles are reversed. The customer is taking care of the employee. So diners say, if your order is mistaken, you can shrug it off and enjoy what comes your way. So I think being a Christian is a lot like dining in the restaurant of mistaken orders. So you never know what you're going to get or when it will come, right? For instance, in this passage from Isaiah that we heard about um, I, the Savior who was promised. So promised is the bind the brokenhearted. This is what the Savior is going to do. Comfort all who mourn. But there was 700 years between Isaiah and Jesus. 700 years. And the people of Israel waited for this Savior that would help them against those who oppress them, a savior who would rescue them. So the faithful were expecting a warrior king, and they got a poor commoner baby. I mean, you can imagine the letdown of that, right? It's like asking for the Terminator and, and getting Bambi, <laughs> or wanting Katniss Everdeen and getting Cupid. Like, what good will that do you? Has this ever happened to you? You asked for a new job, and then you had to stay in your old job longer and longer. You prayed for healing, and then uncovered even more health problems. You thought you married the perfect mate, and then found out that he or she is not so perfect. And they think you're not so perfect either. You prepared for a problem-free year, by carefully planning what you were going to do, and then your life fell apart. 
You went to all the best schools, but you can't find a job. You planned for a fun retirement, and then you lost your partner. You wanted a sweet baby, and you got 18 hours of labor and colic for three months. You thought you had faith, but now you're wondering, because your prayers go unanswered, do I really have faith? Is there anything to believe in? We all attest to what W.H. Auden wrote about us as humans. We are lost in a haunted wood, children afraid of the night, who have never been happy or good. We feel like a mistake. You came to church today expecting Christmas, and you got Advent. So we've been thought, taught through sermons and hymns and just the culture that Advent is about preparing our hearts for the Christ child. But we're really like Ricky Bobby in Talladega Nights. I don't know if you've seen that. But he prays to the eight pound, six ounce newborn baby because that is his favorite Jesus. So we think of Advent as preparing the nursery for Ricky Bobby's Jesus instead of God's preparation of us. One of my professors in seminary, Mary Jane Hamig, was a historian, and she always reminded us that Advent is the proclamation of the justifying grace of God coming to an unprepared world. Not us preparing, an unprepared world. Fleming Rutledge adds to that, all the Advent preparation in the world would not be enough unless God were favorably disposed to us in the first place. The Advent season encourages us to resist denial and to face our situation as it really is. Advent is not for the faint of heart. The Advent question is wondering if there is a God at all. So Paul Zoll, in his book, The Christianity Primer, described this dilemma when he wrote this. I could not make the link between the impressive things that Christ said and did and the idea that he was God's son. That seemed beyond belief. To go from inspired wisdom to God in Christ was an awesome leap. Later in college and then after becoming a husband and a father, I felt as though I needed him, or rather I needed his compassion. In the middle of my own struggles and losses, even impasses, it was not enough to be like him. And my life experience showed that my being like him was impossible. What I craved was his sympathy, his outstretched hand. There was an empowering connection between his saving me and the fuel to do what he said I should do. The law drives us to our knees. And the grace of God, on the other hand, is God saying, even though you are an impossible and paralyzed mess, I will save you anyway. You cannot save yourself, but I shall save you from yourself. So what Paul describes is the unprepared heart finding itself in the need of love, of compassion, of acceptance and understanding. This is where we find ourselves located in Advent, unable to prepare our own hearts 
and deeply in need of comfort. We cannot prepare for being loved. We can only receive love as a gift. Loving comes from being loved. So back to the restaurant of mistaken orders. Kazu Makawa plays cello, and his wife Yosuko plays piano for a musical interlude. Kazuo tells the diners that Yusuko was diagnosed four years ago with early onset dementia, and she stopped doing all the things that she liked, including playing piano. She would say, what's the point of living? He suggested that they just start playing together. So during their song at the restaurant, Yusuko gets lost, totally lost in the music, and she stops. Her husband stops to ask her if she wants to start over again, and she slowly nods, embarrassed. He shifts her hands to the right fingering because she was on the wrong keys, and they begin again. The grace is palpable in him and in the room and in her. They begin again. They start from the beginning. And at the end, she stands smiling to a round of applause. She needed faith outside of herself to begin again. She needed love. So Advent is the begin again of grace, reminding us of Christ's continually, continual coming to us, past, present, and future. Tish Harrison Warren tells us, we come to God open-handed, holding our imperfect and incomplete lives before him. We need him to come to us, to rescue and restore us in our everyday lives. Our faith is not of our own making, but Christ's faith received as a gift. So our text from 1 Thessalonians today tells us, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who called you is faithful, and he will do it. This is the promise of Advent. The Lord Jesus Christ gives birth to faith in you. Faith is not yours to conjure up and tend like a fire. It's a gift. Fleming Rutledge proclaims, we see the power of Jesus at work giving birth to faith. The faith that is thus evoked forever remains a gift, not a human achievement. In this life, there will never be a time when we will not need to say to the Lord, help my unbelief. We cannot choose to have faith. We can only receive it with joy and thanksgiving. Faith is not a work. It is God's gracious gift in Christ. So, in describing this Advent faith, Strahan Coleman wrote, I have some good news for you. There's going to be bad news. Suffering will come. Sometimes it will be the sort you can't spiritualize and probably think you can't face. But when it happens, don't be surprised. And don't think it's on you to make it a miracle. Remember that it is Christ who overcomes. Trust him. Lean in and allow him to do the work of saving you and the world. This is the earthly reality of the Advent story. 
like the wait staff, we admit our mistakes and are received with grace and forgiveness. So Christ has come. Christ is with you now. And Christ is in your future. God's timing is not mistaken. And may, maybe you've made mistakes, but you are not a mistake. The one who calls you is faithful and has given you his very own faith. He knows what he's doing. You can trust him with your life because he gave his for you. Amen. <laughs>